This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake Them Ropes, episode 305, Jeff Hawkins, Chris Novembrino, here to do the cleanup, here to do the NXT universes, all of them, all the parallel universes, Earth 1, Earth 2, Earth 3. Earth 205. Yeah, Earth 2, and Earth 205, correct, there you go. Uh, Chris, going to start out with a headline in the news that I just read from the uh, from Slate.com, and you can, okay. an- and you can answer this question. Why do people keep throwing electric scooters into rivers and lakes, and why should companies like Bird and Lime do to stop them? This is a personal crusade for you because you really, really hate these electric scooters, <laughs> and I'm kind of ambivalent on them, so, so you want to put me on the spot here. I, I mean, why do people throw these into the river? I think it's because everyone likes the idea of making chaos with impunity or a lot of people like the idea of making chaos with impunity being able to break the rules do something salacious and get away with it uh not be held accountable what can these companies do to avoid it i I don't know I, i feel like that's a cost of doing business there are certain things with the electric scooter business model that i've always found kind of curious like what happens with wear and tear. I'd be leery about just picking up a bike that I haven't actually seen tested on any level. Uh, So I'm not a good candidate for this sort of product. But I I like the idea that, especially in inner cities, because, like, I live in Dallas, and, well, you live in Los Angeles, so you, you kind of get an idea of this, too. When you get really into downtown, I think there is a function for these scooter services where I think it's gotten a little out of hand is, like, there are scooters all over my part of town, which is like North Dallas, and we're kind of sort of in the city, but like not really. We're not, it's not like downtown where all the skyscrapers are, and that's probably too much with these scooters. Chris, the, the correct answer is because they can. That's why they end up in the river and into the waterways. It's because you can throw them into one of these things. That- <laughs> you, you know what? I, I always get razzed for giving too short an answer. I'm usually too <laughs> brief in my response. And so now I do the Jeff Hawkins thing, and I actually stretch it out, expound, give you deep insight. These are nuggets, and I want you to cherish these nuggets. Pretend that these nuggets are little tater tots of wisdom, but, but you had those tater tots of wisdom, and you know what you did? You threw them in mayonnaise. Chris, I have become that which I hate. I have become Rob yeah. McCarran. I have <laughs> you threw my tater tots of knowledge into mayonnaise. Mayonnaise of lame. I do not have a personal vendetta. I just find them annoying as hell because they're all over the place around where I work, and you can't get around anywhere, and people are just throwing them all over the place. But And, and I mean, you look, work in the city, yeah? Well, I, no, I, I work in Westwood, which is near UCLA, near a college campus, so it explains a lot. But, uh... No, no, I get your point. I just, it's one of those things where, look, if it's not nailed down, somebody's going to steal it. And if they can't have any use for it, they're going to throw it into a body of water that is nearby. I think, I mean, why do people throw anything in the river? Because it sounds kind of fun, especially when you just say it out loud. Oh, gee. Well, we have a lot to go over. What do you want to go into first, sir? Oh, wait, the cleanup. We have to do our cleanup first. We have to do the cleanup. Let's do the cleanup. The big big point that I whiffed on on the major two shows 
was this historic changing of the WWE Raw Tag Team titles to Bobby Roode and Chad Gable, now with matching gear, uh, who pinned Drake Maverick, who was thrown into... This wouldn't have been so bad if they hadn't have just done an opening promo where they were saying, you know why this this show stinks? Because nothing makes sense, and you're booking all these weird matches like a Lucha House Party match. And then all of a sudden, you let Drake Maverick... It's kind of like... You know, I'm going to push back on you. I think that this still would have been bad, but the fact that they did this opening promo of saying there are all these logical inconsistencies and you're misusing all of these talents, including tag teams, and then have this screwy tag team match. Yeah, I think it made everything very silly. I'm actually, I'm actually am, I'm, I'm ambivalent over it because I think, I think what hurt me in watching this was that Rude and Gable then gave a promo about, you know, the man, we've worked so hard for these. And this is as opposed to saying, yeah, somebody made a dumb stipulation and we took advantage of it. I mean, it's like it's like if the Rock and Roll Express had pinned Jim Cornette, they'd still be happy over getting the WWE tag or the WCW tag team champions or the NWA or whatever the heck it is. But at the same time, they go, yeah, Cornette got a little bit too. uh too arrogant and that and we took advantage of it so yeah your loss is our gain ha 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 as opposed to the oh this is such a this is a culmination of weeks of hard work it's like you know at least call it out for what it is so let me ask you this do you think that they are kind of saying goodbye to the drake maverick character on raw was that kind of what was being teased with the Tozawa promo on 205 Live when he said, you're fired at Drake Maverick? Well, that, that's, that's Tozawa's gimmick, though. Is he's No, I know that, that's GM. his gimmick. Right, no, I know. That he's, I, I know that that's his gimmick, but okay. I also felt like there was something else latently happening there. Um, I, I think it's twofold. I think, you know what, if they did get rid of Drake Maverick, I would not have any problem with that. It's nothing against uh, the performer. It's that the act doesn't need him. I think it's also to get the belts off of the AOP because they don't need them. They need to be rebuilt into monsters right now. You know what? I actually will disagree slightly. I do think that the AOP needed someone like Drake Maverick. They need a manager. They need someone to cut promos and to create the heat for the Authors of Pain. But I think that Drake Maverick did need to get separated from the Authors of Pain just because once you turned him into MCP pants, he just had to go. It was never going to work. Well, In how, order for them to be good, they're going to have to be rebuilt. How does this work for you, Leo Rush? Leo Rush would not be bad, so yeah. long as you don't have him pee his pants or yeah. keep embarrassing him on Raw. And and that's the thing. And I think that, see, it's weird because I think they're, they you know, this company will do things like blame Drake Maverick for the P angle not getting over. They'll find a way to make that bad angle somehow his fault, even though he uh, went, let's say, above and beyond yeah. to make that one work. Yeah, and and so that, that it could be just as simple as that. But you know what? If, if they even brought Paul Ellering back, which... I think there's a possibility. It wouldn't be the worst move in the world. I, I liked Paul Ellering with the Authors of Pan. Mm-hmm. The, the authors, they need that manager figure, but that manager figure needs to be kept kind of serious. AOP. They're no longer the Authors of Pain as, as uh, continue. Right. Yes. Whatever. They're th- what does AOP mean then, right? <laughs> Oop. All right, all right, listeners, come up with your best anagram of what AOP stands for. There it is. Uh, Oh, God, no. No, don't give them ideas. Don't. Uh, 
I'm giving ideas. I ha- they t- and they take all my best ones, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, any any cleanup from you this week? No, I, that was also the oversight that I caught right after we got done. Yeah, like, so oh, I yeah, we didn't talk went, about oh, that. I forgot about that, yeah. And they had matching robes. You know, even a promo about how they made matching robes, how you ruined one robe so we made two. <laughs> something. Anything. Give me something to hold on to, guys. Speaking of uh, your dire situation, you have decided to take a sabbatical from NXT UK? Yeah, so we did an informal poll last week, Jeff, and as you know, I'm into polling, and I discovered that my cats have more suction with this audience than NXT UK does. So until that inverts, and and I hope it never does, honestly, uh, I'm not going to be watching NXT UK but for the takeovers, but you're going to give us a little synopsis of what I'm missing, right? Uh, I will. I, I think the uh, the episode to watch out of the two this week is the first one. <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, the uh, It's sandwiched by two pretty darn good matches, I thought. The Flash Morgan Webster uh, beating Fabian Eichner uh, in that match. I thought, you know, I love me some Flash Morgan Webster. I do. I, I think I like him a little bit better as a heel when he's teamed with Mark Haskins in progress and stuff. I think the mod character goes over a bit better that way. But but I like him in here, and I, I thought uh, and Eichner works well with these guys, and because of his cruiserweight background, and it's nice to freshen him up a bit, as he's kind of he's kind of now their touring guy from the NXT PC in, in Florida doing Evolve and, and NXT UK, and then the the main event of this uh, show was uh, Joe Coffey beating Trent Seven, and this was a banger of a match. I love me some uh, some chubby guy strong style, as I call it. Uh, it, it was a pretty darn good match. Uh, it's worth going out of your way to see. Um, you know, the, the rest of it, you know, we had a Gibson and Drake tag team match in the tournament. They beat uh, Amir Jordan and Kenny Williams. And then uh, Isla Dawn beat Killer, beat Killer Kelly. And Isla, it looks like Isla Dawn's going to be challenging old Rhea Ripley for the WWE Women's UK Championship. Not, not the biggest shocker in the world because they were doing the video packages with her on the last episode. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm not in for that. I, I, I think. Uh, I think as a one-time thing on television, fine. I'm hoping it's not for the takeover event. I think it needs someone with a little more heft. Yeah, I honestly think that they should go back to the Tony Storm Rhea Ripley rematch. I, I think you just finished telling that story right now. Don't stall it out. Yeah, or but I mean, on the second episode. They did have a pretty good match, and they they're kind of almost you know on commentary at least setting up Ginny uh, as a possible contender because she beat Zaya Brookside in a in a nice little match. Um, if Zaya Brookside decides to ever dye her hair blonde again, um, she might get a main roster contract right then and there. Uh, she's adorable in many ways. Uh, she clicks all those boxes that they like. This is the um, Vince McMahon Hitchcock blondes theory. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> it is. Uh, other than that, uh, Mark Coffey and Wolfgang in the uh, uh, advance in the UK tag team title tournament, beating Ashton Smith and Legero. Uh, Joseph Connors had a squash against Jack Stars. I am not the biggest Joseph Connors fan in the world. Um, he wasn't doing anything for me. Yeah. Uh, Zach Gibson, James Drake basically cut a promo saying, we're going to be the uh, tag team champs. <coughs> Had another team form in a vignette, uh, T-Bone and uh, Sexton Huxley, the guy who Joseph Connors turned on. So Huxley's back 
teaming with another guy. Now he's guy, a heel again. He's probably going to get turned on again. He's going to be the Bailey of NXT UK. What a weird <laughs> move that is. Yeah, I thought so too. I was like, they just kind of established him as a mild baby face, and now he's, you know, he's still doing kind of the weird smiling thing. And, and, and yeah, and he goes back and, uh, and uh, teams up with another heel, only probably to be turned on again. Maybe they're building him up as a sympathetic babyface? I guess, but how sympathetic <laughs> is it to be stupid enough to team with really bad people and then be surprised when bad people do bad things to you? Uh, and one you may want to watch, the bomber Dave Mastiff defeated Eddie Dennis. Uh, they cut an okay promo um, on the first show where Dave's talking to an interviewer and Eddie's just sitting there in the audience, in the background, kind of blurry. He stands up and he walks in and he goes, oh, I heard... I heard the undefeated monster is, is being interviewed by a journalist, and, and then he goes into being a, a thing. You know, it wasn't bad. Um, Eddie Dennis still needs new gear, as you and I talked about last week, but uh, <clears throat> it ends Eddie Dennis's uh, undefeated streak. Builds up uh, Dave Massive. It was a nice big guy on big guy match. Well, but overall, if you're gonna, if you have don't have a lot of time, I would watch the first match and the last match from the first show this week. There you go. So, do you want to talk about 205 Live or NXT US? I loved 205 Live. Let, let's go into that. I absolutely loved this episode of 205 Live. Man, um, there was a lot of good wrestling all over this episode. There's a lot of good Live. wrestling and, a, and even a bit of character development, which hits my wheelhouse. Um, the, uh, the Buddy Murphy Grand Metalik match. God, you, you can just hear people who knew Grand Metalik before he came into WWE yelling, this is what we wanted out of him when you signed this guy and you've put him in this bad lucha gimmick thing. Uh, uh, Buddy Murphy to me. Dude, take off the chains on this guy. Like, like Grand yeah. Metalik is so chained down by having to go, lucha, lucha, because the crowd has checked out on that as a gimmick. Just let this guy be a badass and yeah. accentuate how badass he is. Because he, he was having a really good match here. It's just the audience is not into the lucha house party. Well, let him make use of all the aerial maneuvers as offense as opposed to just two or three spots that get the people cheering. I think that's the issue with me. Um, I am not the biggest fan of the WWE ropes for luchadors because they're using real rope as opposed to wire underneath plastic there. So you don't get as much bounce, but he could still... I mean, he's, he's, you know, transcendent in terms of his aerial maneuvers, so he could make it work. And Buddy Murphy is just a badass kind of muscle hamster bully in this division. He is, uh, this was a great match. Great warm up to the, to the event on TLC. I thought I would have liked this if it went a little bit shorter and a little bit faster. I, I think that grand metal league needs to be allowed to go a little bit more at pace and this yeah. overstates welcome just to scotch, but it was a really, really, really good match. I'll tell you the, the last two weeks or three weeks, even one of my favorite things, and I don't think I've brought it up on any of the shows. I love this Arya Davari rebuild. I do. I, I think him coming out with the respect angle, we've seen it a million times. But then the squash match last week. That was really, really good. That was so different. I, I love... It, it's such a thing that people don't do anymore. The count of two and the guy and the heel lifts the guy off the, the mat as if he was kicking out. 
I love that move. It's so simple. It's it gets, cruel. It's it, cruel. it essentialized the cruelty. Yes, it gets them over as a heel. It, it's so good, and you know, it gets over what this guy is all about. And then the interview he gave to Kayla backstage this week, <coughs> where 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 he talks about you know last real men and things like that. I'm you know I'm there. I'm doing the Joe Lanza pacing, pumping my fist stuff. Wasn't on the elliptical this week because I'm sick, as you can hear on the mic. So I was just like, man. He's not doing anything racial. There's nothing xenophobic about this gimmick. And then in comes Kenta slash Hideo Itami. Gives him the rub. Gives the handshake. And it's just two bastards who who are sadists, you know, enjoying each other's work. It's like like two... It's like when two B-villains decide in in a comic book to team up. I loved it. Loved every minute of it. Yeah, I, I really like this. I, I mean, I even liked the the little last thing with the shirt because I think the shirt's going to go to the wayside too. I think, I think the time away for Davari was good for him uh, yes. on, on a number of levels. I, I we've talked about this before. I would have liked to have seen him come back as a babyface. I thought that, that would be fresh too. But man, this character, as you said, is not xenophobic. It's not really. It's not leaning into any of that. It's just about. This guy likes being mean and being cruel, and it, now he has found Kenta, and they can go about being lawful people. And I'm in 205 Live, and I'm just here to hurt local talent and to beat people up. I, You know, sometimes that's all you need for a character motivation. Yeah, I completely agree. So I, I, I'm fine with that, and I am looking forward to where this goes next. Speaking of people who may have a different look next week... Brian Kendrick. Uh, Tazawa He's getting a he, shave is what's going on here. Uh, you think we're getting young uh, young Brian Kendrick with a clean shave and short hair? Yeah, I think that's where we're going here. Maybe Not Ezekiel. short hair, maybe. I, I think he'll probably keep the hair long. Uh, Can I get know. Ezekiel Jackson in the, uh, in the, you know, the, the white satin shirt and pants? Come on. Give, give me all of it. Let, let's, let's do the whole throwback thing with Kendrick. Um, <coughs> interesting, because for a bit there i thought kendrick may go back to the gulak gallagher faction and turn on tozawa and this may be like a dusty beatdown. but i think we're gonna get straight ahead repackaged brian kendrick as veteran veteran who's on one last run type of thing you know kind of the uh uh, what, what's a good I like the opening it? part of this promo where he was sort of explaining why he was acting the way he was acting and also why he's putting that sword down now. And I think that that's just a very simple storytelling move that so often isn't done, but it just creates some coherence for why were you a heel? Well, I was a heel because I knew that I had one last shot and I needed to give it everything, which made me unscrupulous because I didn't want to lose more than anything else. But now I realize that one, my job's no longer in jeopardy, and two, that that was the wrong way to go about it. It I, Totally coherent. Yeah, and I liked uh, Gulak's response during his promo. It's almost like the exhausted, how many times am I going to have to put you down? I'm going to put you down for one last time type of thing. I really liked that. Yeah, what what is their new name, the Submission Squadron or the Submission Section? The sub- Submission Commission, I believe. The Submission Commission. Okay, I'm shaky hand on that. But but other than that, I like the Gulak promo. Yeah, Um. and, and hopefully we can get some fresh matchups after this because... This combination's been going together for a little bit too long, I think. 
Some um, tornado tag titles, please. And then Cedric Alexander versus Tony Nese in the main event. Another spectacular main event from both guys. Tony Nese continues to be one of the more underrated assets on 205 Live, in my opinion. Um, and Cedric is just great. Yeah, let's do interesting stuff with this guy, Tony Nese. Be- and I-, I guess I'm a little more cold on this match just because I've seen this pairing so many times and I didn't think that of the matches that they've had that this was like the best one that they've had or even in my top three and they've had a lot in the last couple of years but this was yet again another really good match between Cedric Alexander and Tony Nese well I I think Tony Nese would benefit from (coughs) well when I saw him in Evolve doing the premier athlete brand gimmick when he had SoCal Val as a manager and Athena was hers and his bodyguard in some ways it was it was a more interesting presentation of this thing, look, it's it's hard to deny that Tony Nese is the premier athlete, but you got to heighten it up with some uh, almost MVP type of gimmick type of things. You know, give him an agent, give him someone who's branding him, get, make make him that kind of thing. You know, and stop making him the second to other people. Yeah, he's been the second to Gulak. He's been the second to Enzo. Enzo, he's been the yeah, to... he got made. Uh, he was embarrassed severely by Enzo. And we've had him in secondary roles a bunch, and it's time for him to step out of the shadows and into the limelight. I actually think, really, to jumpstart him, you got to turn him face. But, yeah. I, yeah, I'm on board with you. Get him an agent. Like, if he's the premier athlete, present him that way. Yeah, I mean, if he's not the strongest at doing promos or something like that, work around it. I know His that promos are okay. They're not bad. They're not but bad? I mean, you know, he's the premier athlete brand Give him some branding. This is a sports entertainment company, for God's sakes. How do you? How do you not? I mean, if, if there's, I mean, put him. Well, see, I wanted to say this is a with, little old school, but you know, it'd be fun. A WWF style ab training video. You know how they used to do? <laughs> yeah, like in the nineteen nineties, nineteen ninety one, ninety two. They do those one minute vignettes, and this is Tony teaches you how to get his abs. Like, like that would be fun. Just little things, especially if you're going to turn face. I almost said put him with Maria Canellis, but that would make him second banana to Mike, and I don't want that to happen either. I mean, yeah, make him make him the focal point of his own little crew or something to that effect and see what he does with it. Yeah, or let him start him off on a score-settling thing at this point. He's got scores to settle with Drew Gulak. He's got, well, you can't do it with Enzo, obviously, but have him settle his scores. Turn him face. So have you changed your mind? Is Cedric still going to win the NXT Cruiserweight, or is it going to be... Oh, no, we both said Buddy Murphy. Have, have yeah, you we both said Buddy Murphy, yeah. and I have not changed my mind on that. Okay. So uh, lead us into NXT while I take a sip of tea and try and get some lubrication in my throat. Absolutely. So this episode began with EC3 versus Bobby Fish. Jeff and I have discussed this in the past, and and I really felt it in this match, that EC3 is a good WWE main roster style wrestler, but in this match against Bobby Fish, you could just feel the herky-jerk, I'm going into this move, I'm going into that move sort of thing that is usually absent from NXT 205 Live. Things have a little bit more of a flow. So I didn't think that this EC3 and Bobby Fish match clicked particularly well. What about you, Jeff? Um, I enjoyed it from the standpoint of, to me, this felt like a 1986 horseman-style match TV main event where you'd have one of the horsemen facing a top babyface 
and it would just stop because the babyface got the upper hand. Uh, I took a little heat on Twitter because I said, I basically said the corollaries between the Undisputed Era and the original Horseman can't be denied anymore. I mean, Cole is the flair. Roddy is the Tully. Kyle O'Reilly and Orrin Anderson have that kind of goofy selling while being workhorses of the group. And Bobby Fish has that kind of old man charisma of Ole Anderson. You know, the the kind of the... uh, the sneaky, conniving type who will dive at your knee while you're distracted, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I, I absolutely love the Undisputed Era. Yeah, these guys are channeling some of the finer elements of the very first 1996 NWO run and then classic horsemen. Uh, you can look at Roddy as either Tully or, if they decide to turn on him eventually, something like Sting, where he, he thought he could sidle in with Adam Cole and everything, but at the end of the day, Adam Cole never really accepted him. We'll see how that story plays out. But I, I love the way that the Undisputed are used on this roster, and I totally get those same vibes. I loved them outside of the ring. I didn't love what was going on inside of the ring. Well, the reason I say Roddy eschews that Tully vibe is because Tully was a weasel as well. Tully was always the guy that you knew could also challenge for the world title. Um, he had a he had a feud with Flair the year before the Horsemen were were formed. He's the bad lieutenant. He's the guy that you don't quite trust in the unit, but you know as long as he's in the unit, he's gonna he's gonna be a valuable asset. So that's why I, I he, he's the bratty heel, and I think Tully was a bratty heel. So I, I think the corollary works. Um, what did you think about the run-in with heavy machinery? Other than the worm to the elbow, I liked it. I liked that it was a more of a fight thing until that spot. Yes, I thought that the worm into the elbow really took away from the moment. Yeah. We were sort of getting what you and I had hoped with heavy machinery, which was vulgar displays of power, and then we got into vulgar displays of bad comedy. Trucky! 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 <laughs> you know, and, and, and oddly enough, I, th- I thought the... Uh, the uh, Otis has such good fire. It's a shame to see him used in a goof role. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the Chris Farley role, as I call it. He, he's such a Chris Farley type of wrestler. Um, You know, what was the other thing? There was one he did... He once did, like, this jig where he's, like, swinging his leg, and both he and, and Tucker are swinging the leg, and he just kind of does this dance into the elbow as well on a squash match... Uh, like about six months ago I might do that that's better than doing you know the worm but as a visual it'll it'll make the top guy laugh look at that fat guy doing the worm into the elbow that's hilarious they'll get a pop sign them you know that kind of thing yeah well you gotta keep the boss happy I suppose uh up next, we had Oni Lorkin and Danny Birch, one and two, versus The Mighty, who are now The Mighty and no longer TM61. When did that name change? Uh, when they came back in that... Uh, when they officially fr- flipped heel? No, 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 no. They, they were they were baby faces as the, as the Mighty. Okay, okay. Uh, their original name in uh in DDT Was The Mighty Don't Noah Kneel. Was Mighty Don't Kneel. Right, and I've always been thinking of them as the Mighty because that's what the TM61 was sort of referencing, so I've referred to them as that, but I, I guess it never clicked to me that they actually changed their name to the Mighty. When, when they came back from Thorne's injury and they were doing those vignettes with uh, Harley Race, they were repackaged as the Mighty. Okay, okay. 
So uh, I liked this loved match. Oh, yeah, match. I know. This is a lot of fun. I don't fun. care if it's 50-50 booking. I want to see these guys beat the crap out of each other every week. Yeah, this is scrappy and good, and I love the Mighty getting their heat back because it doesn't solve anything. The, the, yeah. This feud continues. Yeah, I, I don't mind. You know what? I I, I think Oni and, Lor- Oni and Lorkin. I think Lorkin and Birch need to lose this eventually because they've had their tag team title match. I think they need to elevate the mighty in a little bit of a way, but uh, you know, the, the, Lorkin and Birch won last week, got beat down, then they lose this week. I assume they're going to eventually win this feud. Which- yeah, I think they're winning this feud. I, I keep going back mentally to when they relaunched Lorkin and Birch. They put the video packages behind them, which sort of gives me the cue that they've got some sort of plan for them story-wise. Well, I get, I get the feeling that they're just going to run in the Street Profits one week, and then that way you know, it kind of peels off again because that feud has still yet to be resolved as well. There you go. There you go. Uh, you, you you had a comment about a member of the Mighty? Oh, yes. So I think that, is, is it Nick Miller? I think Nick Miller looks like Mike Enos, which is a name from yesteryear that I said before the show that me and Jeff Hawkins are probably the only two people who have a frame of reference for this, but as a WCW kid, I watched a lot of Mike Enos on Saturday night and on the first hour of Monday Night Nitro. As an AWA guy, I was a big fan of the... The Beverly Brothers? No, no, no. The Destruction Crew. They will never be the Beverly Brothers to me, Chris. Don't do that to me. Don't don't make me think of their WWE name. Don't make me go back to that bad time. They were the Destruction Crew, and they were awesome on promos. And Wayne Bloom would always cut off Mike Enos. And and the uh, and the and the thing I wanted to bring up: Wayne Bloom's kid was in this last tryout class for the WWE PC that went on this week. There and you I am go. All I am all in on that. I am all in on if Mike Enos does not have a son around the same age as Wayne Bloom's kid, we can break up the mighty and team up Nick Miller and Mike Enos's kid, and I can get my destruction crew back, as opposed to this Beverly Brothers abortion of which you speak. Let us never speak <laughs> of this again. I almost used a different term that may have been considered insensitive towards some in terms of the name Beverly Brothers, but... <laughs> All right. Well, you know, um, here, let's talk about another second-generational wrestler. Not, not, not the insensitive thing you think of, but, you know... Well, you don't even know what I'm thinking right now. Right now, I'm just thinking about a transition into Mia Yim and Reina Gonzalez. I was... I, obviously, we have the standing problem of debuting talents that then lose, but boy, Reina Gonzalez, a little raw, but I, I liked what I saw in the ring. She Reina is Gonzalez, a different look. <laughs> Reina Gonzalez is one of these holdovers from the May Young Classic that they bring in every so often. She's a student of Booker T in their school in Texas. She is large. She is big. She is tall. Um, she is six foot. Um, I'm, I'm not as high on her as you are a bit. I, I, I think it's the gear, the choice in gear of the cutout jeans as chaps. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking not, I'm, about her. I, I'm saying that they need people who look like her because they don't have anyone who can fill that role yes. right now on the roster. And, and Reina Gonzalez, yeah, like like Reina Gonzalez really does fit the mold here. They don't have any giants in NXT per se. They have very athletic, strong women, but they don't have anyone with the size of her now that uh, Sage Beckett has left, et cetera. And and you know they have the the they have the Indian girl, but she can't 
wrestle either. Uh, what's her name? Uh, the one who always gets a win in the Mae Young Classic or loses Aaliyah? in the first round. No, 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 no. They, they have, they, no, no. She's, um, she was from Kali's school in India. Uh, she got like something like a Learn million. From the best. Well, she got something like a million hits on her Mae Young match on YouTube, so they decided to put her in the Battle Royal in WrestleMania. Um, I forget her name, but uh, that's the other real, you know, tall woman that they have. Um, you know what? She's she she'd make a great brawler. I think. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. 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 I, as I, opposed I, to a wrestler stiff. trying to go through things. I mean. Yeah. I, Never I love just the- club people. I, she doesn't need to be doing flashy moves. Although I I enjoyed the Canadian backbreaker spot. That that's one that's not done well, and I liked when she started fish hooking her. Like that's. The stuff that I'm kind of looking for when I'm seeing who's got upside, because she's thinking about all those other things, those little things. I, I mean, this this could tie it up into a good little act here. I like the idea of the female Stan Hansen. I right. do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I was definitely getting Stan Hansen vibes. Yeah, and and they they put that over on commentary, but at the same time, I'm like, sure, hit her with the cowbell, you know. <laughs> although although I don't want Reina Gonzalez to be half blind and in there with a guy and actually punching people in the face. Uh, <laughs> like, like, you say you say that, but I kind of want that. No, but I would like Raina Gonzalez to look, wallop people with a massive lariat for a finish. That'd be great. She'd sell that awesome. And Mia Yim's great. I mean, yeah, uh, she, she'll be fine in this fatal four way. Um, it's already been taped. Someone spoiled it for me, which made me kind of angry. Uh, I like the Alistair Black uh, recap quite a bit. Um, yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. That was good. Good promo, good old style promo. They've they've taped this, but Dakota Kai has a knee injury, so she may not be long for this angle with uh, Io Shirai and uh, Jessamyn Duke and and uh, Marina Shafir. But I like that they're ta- that that these women are a little bit serious, except for Io Shirai, who's always like. I'm gonna hug my friend. <laughs> Just like that's all. He I'm does. waiting for that to turn heel because that I feel like it's will pay going off to. For me. Yes. Yeah, right. That will pay off for me when she turns heel. But right now, it's like really goofy, and I kind of like it only because I I see it going to the dark side eventually. And then in a return to NXT, in a throwback type of thing that they used to do all the time with stars they were trying to recycle or give something to do while their partner was injured. Tyler Breeze returns to full sail to take on Ricochet for the North American title. Yes, yes, yes. What a treat. This is a very, very good match. I, I loved every bit of this. I loved right up to the finish, man. The finish was so cool. He was winded when he went for the beauty shot, and that allowed Ricochet to get the win. This is the Tyler Breeze people want. Yeah. The Tyler Breeze people won when he went to the main roster. This is the Tyler Breeze people popped for in the Fatal 4-Way when he almost won the title. He did the original entrance with the cell phone selfie camera. I I mean, this was so great. It was so good to see Tyler Breeze back in his element. People love him, and it's good to see people getting him as well. And the the first few moments of that match, it looked like Ricochet was really into the crowd digging Tyler Breeze as well, which I got a lot of joy out of. This was was good from beginning to end. If, If you watch one match this week this is totally the match to watch yeah oh this was this makes me wish tyler breeze had never left nxt really i mean it was right right no i i want him to stay down here i i almost want him in a feud with Tommaso champa because 
what he's done up on the main roster. I, I, some of the fashion files were fun the first few weeks, but on balance, what he's done on the main roster is nothing. It's been a criminal misusage of him. I'd much rather have Heath Slater doing this, too. I think Heath Slater's underrated in, in many ways, and we haven't really seen, because he's a southern, he has a southern accent, that they don't they don't let him do his thing in the ring, and he's just kind of been a geek for all these years. I'd love to co- see him come down and just these blaze open a challenges. Path. Yes, yeah, these open challenges with Ricochet are a really great way to reboot these guys from the main roster, and they can take a loss and it doesn't hurt them because they can finally have the good match that they never get to have on the main roster. You follow me at Crap Game Thirteen, Chris, and the show because I'm losing my voice. Yeah, I know. Jeff's having a hard time here, but fortunately, I came focused, prepared, locked in, and you can that find me. That's not fair. I'm sick. I can't help it. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I'm razzing someone who said I sounded scattered the other day. Um, oh, but, yeah. but you can find me at C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O. My other podcast, which I just dropped an episode uh, like yesterday, you can find that over at Don'tWorry.tv. It's called Don't Worry About the Government, and you can also find that on iTunes and Stitcher. My other, other show is the All in the Family podcast, which you can find at the all in the family podcast.com and shake them ropes has a patreon and i remember this patreon jeff i'm not going to screw it up this time it's <laughs> patreon.com slash shake them ropes go and check it out we just put out our first premium episode on hakushi slash jinsei shinsaki and the great muda also known as kaiji mudo and until the next one bye bye